Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Church. Hey, so as I'm accustomed to, I like to get a little rowdy first thing in the morning. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to give a few shout outs where shout outs are due. The first people that I want to shout out this morning is our volunteer leaders who are serving during this one service Sunday. So can we get rowdy for a minute and let them know we're... We've got the production team killing it, the worship team killing it, Kids Walk killing it, and all of the other teams, guest services killing it as well. So we love you guys. We honor you. We thank, we thank you for all that you do for us uh, here at Christ Walk Church week in and week out. Your sacrifice doesn't go unnoticed. Hey, so this is the last Sunday, not just of a year. This is the last Sunday of a decade, y'all. We're getting ready to enter into 2020. And so for a minute, would you get rowdy for God and let him know we're thankful for what he did in the past 10 years. And we're celebrating what he's gonna do in the next 10 years as we enter in to 2020. And the last people that I wanna give honor to is our pastors, pastors Blake and Sarah. Would you go ahead and give them a hand clap? We honor them as always. We're thankful for them. So this morning, um, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're continuing to come here, welcome as well. I don't believe that any of you are here by chance this morning. And whether you believe in Jesus or not, this is a place where you can belong before you believe. And we believe that wholeheartedly this morning. So I believe that God has a word for us this morning. And maybe you know this and maybe you don't, but the Bible is divided up into two major chunks. The first section is the Old Testament and the second section is the New Testament. And this morning we're gonna be in um, the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible or you have a smart device, go ahead and open to or swipe to uh, the book of Daniel. It's about more than halfway through the Old Testament. And I wanna focus on chapter five. So bear with me for a moment as we read chapter five, because we're going to bounce around a little bit. There's a story that I want you guys to get a full picture of. So we're in Daniel chapter five, and the first few verses I'm going to read is five, one through six. This is what they say. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. And so they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. (laughs) Suddenly they saw human fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear and his legs gave way beneath him. So that's verses one through six, and then turn your attention over to verses 24 through 28. This is when Daniel is summoned to interpret King Belshazzar, or interpret the message on the wall by King Belshazzar. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. And this is what these words mean. 
Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You've been weighed in the balances and have not measured up. And then parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come and gather together in your name, to serve you, to worship you, to celebrate all that you're gonna do in these next 10 years in 2020. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. I pray that every eye would be open and ears to hear the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the end, that we would leave different than the way that we walked in this room. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name and everybody said, so in thinking about this passage, I was reminded of a story that my parents used to tell me growing up. And when I was a little guy, they used to take me to my favorite fast food restaurant to get my favorite fast food, Kentucky Fried Chicken Mashed Potatoes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and if you don't know, if you have never experienced Kentucky Fried Chicken Mashed Potatoes, well, let me explain it to you. They are light and fluffy and airy. And they have this golden brown gravy on top of them. And the favor of God has just been poured out <laughs> over this bowl of mashed potatoes. But I remember one particular day, we went through the drive through line and I ordered my regular mashed potatoes as a little kid. And then my parents, they took us to a certain destination that I did not know because I had never experienced it before. And as we pulled up, if you can imagine my imagination, it looked like a cave, and this big cave had these big fluffy brushes and big robots and big mechanical arms. And when I pulled my car, or when they pulled the car closer, it was like a track for a roller coaster. And I was excited with my mashed potatoes in hand. But as we crept closer, I heard a loud rumbling sound and it got louder and louder. And suddenly the big fluffy brushes, they started to spin. And the robot began to move and the mechanical arms began to move and I thought I was safe in the car but when I looked at the mechanical arms I thought they were gonna crush my safety. And so clenching my KFC mashed potatoes I began to get a little scared. And I was terrified of the monster that was inside the cave. I was terrified of a car wash. <laughs> Tears running down my face, my Mashed potatoes clenched closely in hand, my face pale with fright, much like King Belshazzar here in Daniel chapter five. But I imagine what King Belshazzar was experiencing here in Daniel chapter five was a little more frightening than my experience with a monster in the cave. I mean, you know it must be scary and frightening if the Bible calls it knee-knocking fear. And rightfully so, because I can't imagine if I were to sit at a party and an invisible hand were to appear before me and write something on the plaster wall in plain, broad light. But I imagine subconsciously, maybe King Belshazzar knew that this was writing on the wall for what he had just done, the fact that he had taken holy sacraments and things from the temple of the Lord and he was defiling them for the use of his party. It was a party table setting. After all, he was defiling God because he was doing these things and maybe he didn't know what he was doing intentionally, but when Daniel comes onto the scene and he's summoned to interpret the message before King Belshazzar, he might have an idea of what's going on here. 
Because Daniel had knowledge of the scriptures. He knew maybe what was happening and it was the hand of God. God was putting his power on display because God had had enough with King Belshazzar and the Babylonian rebellion and them defiling the temple and the temple sacraments and worshiping false gods and idols and enough was enough. And so he decided to give them a clear message. The hand of God is significant all throughout scripture. The hand of God is a description and a display of God's power of his omnipotence. His hand was a description or a display. It was significant of creation. The Bible says that his hands laid the foundations of the earth. His hand was significant of protection. The Bible says that with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand that he defeated enemy armies and protected the Israelites. His hand significant of provision because with that same mighty outstretched arm and hand, he sent manna from heaven to provide for the Israelites in their need. And his hand significant of salvation because the Bible describes his right hand as having saving strength and having upholding strength for you and I. But his hand is also used for correction. And it was the hands of the Babylonians that had taken the temple sacraments, these holy items that were used in worship of God and they had used them for their own pleasure in this party. And so God was just responding in righteousness to what the Babylonians had just done with their hands. And so with his righteous hand, he was trying to course correct what the Babylonians had just done. It's ironic too that this hand would appear and write on the plaster wall because scholars believe that the Babylonians, they would write their military conquests and their victories on the plaster walls. And so God's hand was literally writing a clear message over top of their victory saying, this was the blessings that I had given you, but now that you're gonna defile me, let me give you a clear message and tell you that I'm always in control. And it was quite literally the writing on the wall how many of y'all have ever heard about the writing on the wall? It's a phrase often used in today's culture. And so when we say the writing on the wall, normally what we're saying is that it's an imminent or soon coming result or it's something that's bound to happen. It's the writing on the wall. So today I wanna take a few minutes to talk about the writing on the wall that King Belshazzar was in, that Daniel interpreted to King Belshazzar. But I believe that this message, this threefold writing on the wall message, actually applies to you and me today. Mene means my days are numbered, tekel means you've been weighed in the scales and you've been found deficient, and parson means your kingdom has been divided and handed over. And for King Belshazzar, this meant was God, that, that God was about to end his kingdom. It means that his days were numbered and he was about to die, quite literally. Because while you might think it's harsh for God to act his swift judgment down on King Belshazzar, what we really find out is that King Belshazzar had been given chance time and time again to turn from his ways and turn to God. Even Daniel says this. When Daniel summoned before King Belshazzar to um, interpret the writing on the wall, he says, look, bro, God's given you all of these chances, and yet you continue to live in sin, so this is the message that God wants to give you. 
But this threefold message that God sent to Belshazzar has ramifications not just for him and his Babylonian empire, but it also has ramifications for you and me because it really mirrors the reality of sin in our own lives. Because in the beginning of time, we thought it was best for you and I to go our own way and do our own thing because we think about what's best for us and not God's best for us. And Belshazzar, in the case of him, he continued to miss the mark time and time again. And so God had a message for him. But it's easy to think just about Belshazzar when in fact the Bible says that we've all missed the mark. Because sin is quite literally missing the mark because we've decided to do what we think is best and do what we thought was best for us. And the problem is that when we do what we think is best, we figure out it's not God's best and the standard's just a little bit different. And God's standard of righteousness is different than our standard of righteousness in living. And so even though we may have not gone through the, to the extremes that King Belshazzar did, in partying and defiling the Lord in the way that he did and worshiping false gods. We've all missed the mark and so the writing on the wall is still the same for you and me. And if mene means that my days are numbered, then we must be reminded that our days are literally numbered. There is an end to this world, and I don't want to paint a grim picture, but that means there's also an end to our lives. Ecclesiastes 3.2, it says this, that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. It says a time to be born and a time to die. And the reality of sin is death. Death wasn't part of the original plan for God for humanity, but it was introduced when we decided to turn our own way and do our own thing. Romans 6.23 says it again, that the wages of sin is death. It was when sin entered the scene that death and darkness entered the scene as well. And so scripture alludes to death entering through man's decision to turn our backs on God. And so part one of this message, this writing on the wall is this, that our days are numbered. And then we get to part two of the writing on the wall and it's that word tekel, which means that we've been weighed in the balances and been found deficient. It's because of our choices that we continue to miss the mark. And when you remember that you've missed the mark because you can, you can be a good person and you can do all of the right things and still miss God's definition of righteousness and his definition for living a good life. You can do all of the right things, you can be a good person and still not enter the kingdom of heaven. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned, all have missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. We can try but we'll always fall short. Sin has tainted our picture of perfection and righteousness and it's tainted the ways in which we try to get to God and the ways in which we try to live our own life. And God was letting Belshazzar in his case know that he didn't measure up. And the same could be said of us when we continue to live in sin. But if I were to translate this to modern terms, I would say that God is saying this 
that your account balance is due and you don't have the funds to pay the bill. Scripture even talks about sin as debt. That sin is the debt we owe, but we could never pay ourselves. And then lastly, the third part of the writing on the wall for Belshazzar and you and me is his kingdom was being divided up and coming to an end. It was about to be divided up amongst enemy nations. They were literally throwing a party while enemy nations were surrounding this fortified city. King Belshazzar was so cocky that while enemy armies and enemy empires were surrounding this fortified city, he thought his walls were so fortified and so strong that he could throw a party because they weren't gonna get in. And yet what we find out is that God is in control of the empires of the earth. And he was making that message clear to King Belshazzar. But when it comes to division, I believe that there's a different parallel that we can draw, we can draw when it comes to the sin in our lives. It's that sin separates you and I from heavenly father God. And not only does sin separate you and me from God, but sin also separates us and divides us from each other. And so when sin enters the scene because of our mistakes and because of our shortcomings, that's when violence and murder and substance abuse and systematic racism all enter the scene in the world that we live in. It was in sin that division caused Cain to kill Abel. It was in sin that humanity decided it was best to put this man named Jesus on the cross. Mene, our days are numbered. Tekel, we've been weighed in the balances and found deficient. And then Parson, the kingdom's been divided up and handed over to the enemy. And I can tell you that when we're in division as the body of Christ that we're under the influence of the enemy. This is the bad news about Daniel chapter five, that there is writing on the wall, much like there was for King Belshazzar and the Babylonian empire here in this narrative. And as I read this passage of scripture, when it comes to humanity, I'm convinced more and more that it would be fair for God to enact his swift justice on you and me. Because we turned our own way and we continue to mess up the creation that he made for us to co-rule with him together forever. And as we continue to sin and as we continue to mess up, we further separate ourselves from God and he could easily enact his swift justice on us and take everybody out. But I wanna let you know something this morning, that God's justice and his mercy go hand in hand. And as swift as his justice is, his mercy is also. But even scriptures, they tell us this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And what that means is that anytime there could possibly be a conflict between justice and mercy, mercy wins every time. The bad news is that there's writing on the wall that indicts us on the charges of our sin. But the good news is that God is so merciful that he created you and I with a plan to reconcile us back to him. 
And it was even in light of his own writing on the wall that this would take place. And so when enough was enough, when God had said, I still love these people and my justice is about to be enacted, but my mercy stepping onto the scene, when enough was enough, he decided that he was gonna send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and Jesus pay the debt he did not owe for you and me and mercy won the game. And Jesus is the full embodiment of mercy winning every single time. When God's justice acts swiftly, his mercy covers us boldly because his justice and his wrath was poured out on his own son, Jesus, and Jesus bled so that his blood would cover the sins of humanity so that when you're in Jesus and you're covered by the blood, God's mercy rains down on you and his righteousness covers you and because of Jesus, we're made righteous before the Father. And so in Jesus, there's a new writing on the wall. Just when we thought it was over for us, just when we thought that God's final indictment was sin, death, hell, and the grave, just when we thought that justice didn't have a partner, and just when we thought that we would never measure up to God's standard and we would never make it, and just when we thought that sin would win, Jesus stepped in to let us know that mercy is the new writing on the wall and it covers the other writing on the wall. And so you might have thought that your days were numbered, but I came to tell you that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so in Jesus, you will live and not die. And in in Jesus, you're not dead, you're just asleep. And in Jesus, hell doesn't have any fury because you will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so your days are not numbered in Jesus. And you might've thought that you were weighed in the balances and you had been found deficient. And you might've thought that there was a debt, a crippling debt hanging over your head that you could never pay. And you might've thought that you would never measure up to God's standard, but God's mercy is so great that Jesus steps onto the scene and Jesus dies on the cross so that you and I could be declared righteous before the Father. And Jesus fills the gap between where we are and where God is, because mercy wins every time. And you might have thought that division was just gonna be part of your life, that you would always be in conflict with the people around you, that God was too far off to have a relationship with you, but I came to tell you this morning that Jesus came to reverse the writing that was on the wall for you and me. And instead of division in the name of Jesus, there's reconciliation. Because Jesus came to reconcile our relationship with our heavenly father and he came to show you and I that we can reconcile our relationships with the people around us. And some of you might have come in here this morning after having spent Christmas with family and friends who maybe you're not even close to anymore. And I wanna let you know that in Jesus there is unity because Jesus shows us how to reconcile those relationships that were once broken.
And so you might have had a, a broken relationship with, with your spouse, but Jesus came to reconcile that relationship or to help you reconcile it. And you might have had a broken relationship with children, but Jesus came to show you how to reconcile it. And you might have had a broken relationship with some family friends, but Jesus came to show you and I how we could reconcile it because mercy outweighs justice and mercy wins every time. And I'm reminded that in Jesus and at the name of Jesus, we're united as a body of Christ because scripture tells us that in Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I wanna tell you this morning, this is the greatest news of all, that in Jesus, I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you and I from the love of God when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.